related to the home, buying or selling real estate, financing, and improvements that can help increase your home's value. I'm gonna make this place your home. This is Minnesota Home Talk on Score North. Here's your host, Mike Overson. Good morning, and welcome back to Minnesota Home Talk here on 1500 Score North Radio. I'm your host, Mike Overson, with Luminate Home Loans. In studio with me this morning is no stranger to the show, Mr. Kelly Beck with uh, Walgrave Real Estate Group and Remax Advantage Plus, talking everything real estate, mortgages, credit repair, pretty much anything uh, dealing with your home. Uh, We are talking about that this morning. Topics for today, as always... We would uh, we'd rather answer your questions than talk about some of the random stuff we end up sliding towards during our conversations during the show. So we invite you to connect with us during the show and uh, call us, text us, or uh, go on Facebook Live and uh, put a question through there. Uh, anything and everything dealing with your home, mortgages, credit repair, anything like that is fair game. And you can give us a call at 651 647 2910 again 651-647-2910 that is our call in number you can text your questions to us this morning that text number 612-202-8321 again that text number is 612-202-8321 you can also visit us on facebook live and facebook we're on what my home page jason's home page Pretty much all the pages. All the pages. Pretty much any page. I think if you go to any page in Facebook that we're there. Um, Is that how it works? Yeah. MySpace, Friendster. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> my, my, streaming live on MySpace. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've been working. What's the what's the guy from MySpace? Tom? We've been working with Tom really closely. <laughs> He's going to get back in the game now. Yep. Yep. Doing a lot of programming in the back end, really customizing it towards our, our listeners. Yep. Yep. Okay, so, uh, like I said, phone lines are open, 651-647-2910. Again, 651-647-2910. That text line is 612-202-8321. We are giving away, what are we giving away? We're giving away two pair of T-Wolves tickets. Yeah. So we got four tickets to a T-Wolves game that we're going to be giving away to the best question this morning. Uh, so give us a call or shoot us a text or connect Sorry, with us. Sorry, can, can you repeat that? How many tickets? tickets? Four. Four tickets. Two pair. There you go. Two I'm pretty pair, sure you said is... four pairs, and I was like, mm, I, don't ha- I don't think we got that many tickets. No, I think I said two pairs, didn't I? I think you did say know. that, but we can just shake down Jason for some more tickets. He's yeah. got lots of tickets. Yeah, that's fine. The whole and, stadium. And here's the thing, Evan. You know I'm not good with numbers. That's why I got into mortgages. <laughs> that's true. You know? That is that is a true fact. I've read that on Wikipedia. N- numbers are hard. I don't know if you know that's that, Kelly. I mean, what is a number really? It's just a social construct, Mike. Right. <laughs> You're right. It's really not important numbers these days. So, yeah. So, we got four tickets, a.k.a. two pair of T-Wolves tickets to give away to the best question of the morning. So, give us a call. Shoot us a text. Connect with us on Facebook Live. We'll answer your questions live on air and get you in the running for the tickets. Okay. Whoa, um, whoa, 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 wait. Number to call in. Number to call in? Yeah. 651. There you go. 647-2910. I think I interrupted you before you got a chance to you, say that. You know what, though? I have not screwed up that number yet. 
That's since true. it changed to the new number. That's true. Which is impressive because I'm pretty sure Jason, the first two, three weeks, I think he said the old number at least two or three times <laughs> before we had to correct him during each show. Yeah, well, you know, he has a lot more reps of saying the old <laughs> number. Does. It was just ingrained yep. in there. He's just like, yeah, that's funny. I love it. Okay. Um, yeah, give us a call, 651-647-2910. We'll answer your questions live on air and get you the running for the tickets. And we are going to go into some hot deals. We like them hot. Just like that chip that Evan ate last week. It yeah. was really great. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, they, should, they should make a whole bag of those instead of just putting one chip in a box. I'm not going to lie. I would totally buy it. <laughs> Better you than me. All right, so going into hot deals, we have 4916 Spruce Lane over in Savage. Um, Four bedrooms, two bathrooms, um, really nicely updated inside. Brand new white kitchen, stone, a really nice entry-level home in the Prior Lake District. Um, Jumping out to Cocado, uh, we have 545 8th Street. Um, Six bedrooms, two bathrooms, two-stall garage, really kind of a pretty brick-front classic American home. Um, it's going to be offered for three ten. Really nice deal there. Uh, we talked about this one a couple weeks ago when I was on twenty seven eight five eight Greens Point Road in Red Wing. An absolutely beautiful uh, lake listing. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Really unique looking property. Four car garage, but it is your own private point in Red Wing. Um, offered for two million. An absolutely beautiful property that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, getting back over to Prior Lake, 6540 Harborview Circle, Northeast and Prior Lake. Uh, lake access, um, really beautiful townhouse property, swimming pool, tons of amenities, uh, really kind of a cool area over there in Prior Lake near everything, offered for $799. Um, actually, a resort that you can buy if you're getting into that kind of business, looking for an investment property with a resort um, up on State Highway 18 in Aiken, 39629. Um, really kind of a cool, unique property if you're looking to get into kind of a campground-type uh, business. Um, to be built, um, Pebble Creek Custom Homes does beautiful work, as we well know. Um, over off of Sumter Avenue, 1464, uh, there's a lot available um, to do a really awesome, uh, looks like a walkout Rambler build for under a million. Um, going to Sumter as well, there's another lot for sale for 110 at 14649. Um, over at 16080 Sims Court Northeast in Prior Lake, there's also a beautiful um, floor plan there. Five bedrooms, five bathrooms, three stall garage that can be built uh, again for 850. Another really beautiful property. Going over to Sims 2, another lot, 135. It's a really nice location um, at 16037. It's right over by the two middle schools in Prior Lake. So great access, um, nice private little neighborhood over there. Um, another one in that same neighborhood at 16094. Um, going up to Rosemount, we have one at 14023 Cobbler Avenue in Rosemount. Uh, beautiful four-bedroom, four-bathroom. Um, some really nice updates. Gorgeous curve appeal available for four thirty-five nine. Um, I think we have a few more. Hang with me. Um, going down to Clara City, Minnesota, we are down at 118 East Center Avenue. Um, really nice starter home. Two bedrooms, two bathrooms. An adorable little house. Absolutely. Um, for 70000 Clara City. Clara City. We all know where Clara City is, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Don't worry Evan about knows. it. Evan knows. Evan's got it. Evan's um, over there like, <laughs> I don't know where it's at. Jumping up to Lake Elmo, 8655 27th Street North in Lake Elmo. Um, outstanding. Rambler, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, three stall garage right off of some wetland. Available for 3999 And those are the hot deals throughout the state of Minnesota for us today. If you have any questions on these hot deals or want any more information on them, 
You can connect with us through our website, minnesotahometalk.com. Uh, you can actually set up your own property search there if you want to. You can also connect directly with Jason and Kelly at that website there. And then we have a, a lot of other resources there, too. We have a link to all of our preferred partners. All these people are personally vetted by Jason and myself, people that we have done business with personally in the past, and we just had great experiences with them. So we had them come on and be a partner of the show. Uh, so we have everyone from um, Pebble Creek Custom Homes, a custom home builder. We have Bell, uh, Bella Remodeling and Roofing with Eric Perkle. Um, we haven't had Eric on in a long time. He needs to come on. Needs to get his butt out of bed and That's get over here. exactly what needs to happen. For some reason, people don't like getting up at like 5.30 on Saturdays. Well, now that we've got this uh, swanky camera set up, maybe we can convince them that this oh. is the this is the opportunity they've been waiting for. That's right. Quitters, all of them. Right. Kelly gets Kelly has no problem getting here. I, whenever Jason asked me to do it, I just do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be up anyway. Kelly, I think <laughs> Kelly, I think what happens is I think Kelly actually drives up here and he sleeps in his car overnight. Oh, I wouldn't do that. And then I wake him up when I get here. That that'll get you in trouble around here. <laughs> I don't like being late, so I usually do get here about with about 10 minutes to spare. Yeah. Perfect. But next time I'll just sleep here. I'll I'll, I'll heed Evan's advice and just uh Go devil may care and just sleep in my car here. No, 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 no. Just let me know. We've got plenty of couches. Let's make can a, set you up. Make a night of it. Yeah. Right? We can have we can have a slumber party. <laughs> we got Todd Rooker. Uh Todd Rooker does a does a great show right after our show here at eight o'clock every Saturday morning. Cover your assets. Definitely recommend uh staying tuned to that one and listening to him. Uh we have last switch. Nepsis Capital with Big Biggie Josh Englund there. He's a financial planner. And Credit Life, who is our credit repair partner, who are uh, they're amazing at working with all of our clients who have any sort of need for credit help. And the list goes on and on and on. So visit us at minnesotahometalk.com to get connected with any of our partners and then also to connect with, uh, with us at any time during the week. Phone lines are open, 651-647-2910. And the text line is open as well at 612-202-8321. All right. We are going to talk about 10 horrifying home design trends. And it goes along with Halloween last week. Horrifying. Just very scary design trends here. So we're going to go through this list here. So they say home trends come and go, but designers hope some will vanish faster. At the Styled, Staged, and Sold blog, they compiled an annual list of the scariest home design fads. This year, they're highlighting trends that may start to make a property look dated. And here are the 10 home uh, home design trends that they're hoping fade sooner than later. I'm very curious to see what Kelly says about some of these. Mm, I, I will have my opinions, but uh, I, I will say, uh, as to plug my own <laughs> business model, I, I try to have, if I know that clients are going to be doing a lot of repairs or we get somebody into something dated and part of their plan is to go in and uh, be making updates, I tend to have people say, feel free, reach out to me, let me know, talk to me. Right. And, and we'll kind of go through what some of your options might be. And I, I mean... I'm interested to see because I, I got my own ideas here. Okay. So number 10, sliding barn doors. So people, they say as people the, love these, by the way. So as the farmhouse style loses traction, barn doors are sliding down designers' priority lists. They're bulky and can be impractical because they don't always glide smoothly on the track. Yeah. 
I I don't know. I'm I've always been kind of on the fence about this from the beginning. The sliding barn doors are. I I feel like it's a less functional version of a pocket door. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's easier to install because you don't have to do any sort of work inside the wall. Right. Yeah. And and people really don't care for pocket doors either. Yeah. They um, there's got to be a reputation of them as just being kind of cheap. Jammy. Yeah. I, I would call them jammy oftentimes, but but yeah, this is one that a lot of people have embraced, and I think that they're definitely cool and. Evan, like you said, I, I think the biggest thing is it's a it's a looks cool, gives kind of a striking design, especially because you see them in a lot of houses that are maybe newer and are a lot of grayscale paint and and maybe some more minimalist stuff. So it's kind of a design element that looks flashy, but it also again it's it's a pretty easy thing for people to install. But I I wouldn't be super surprised if 10, 15 years down the road you can see that there has been an adjustment to that trend and the door hanging on that track is looking different than a barn door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's pointed out in this article is that some, you know, they're not saying all these hanging doors need to go. It's this weird, let's throw a rustic door in here mm-hmm. thing. That's the one that's kind of kind of tacky. Right, and if the rest of your house, if you have like a very modern-looking house mm-hmm. and then you throw an old rustic barn door in there, maybe it doesn't flow doesn't match the, the the rest of the motif of the house, if you will. Yeah, yeah. none of us are interior decorators, but uh, yeah, I yeah. definitely am not. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. So that was number 10 on the list of 10 horrifying home design trends. Uh, number nine, open kitchen shelving. And if you don't know what they're I've got talking it up about on the screen that, too. Now we know. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, Kelly? Um, so I, I see this used... Um, selectively uh it's a to good design effect a lot of times it's it's replacing a it it's replacing something that was bulky or or cutting down sight lines i see it pretty commonly but but a couple th- reasons why it could be something that that vanishes quickly is one it's from a functional perspective like you have to always have a small amount of attractive dishes in the space <laughs> right <laughs> which which as we uh have people over and have kids and it's you you want the cabinet doors closed because I, I got all my free cups from like with Halloween logos on it and like Minnesota Twins cups from like 1999 in there that you just kind of give up and yeah you and got the around. mix and match sets of plates and stuff because you know oh two got broken from this one so we went out and bought ones that look kind of similar but yeah. they're not identical every time you come home from Chuck E Cheese they give you something your kids <laughs> yeah. will let you throw it away like. you got the free novelty cup from like <laughs> Star Wars Rogue One yeah, yeah. I, I can never get rid of this faded thing exactly I, I think. I think it goes with, again, a little bit of the minimalist type of look, but from a functional perspective, it's not the most functional. And usually when things are maybe 90% form and 10% function, those tend to be the the things that, that go away. Gotcha. I, I could be wrong, but I think that this came from the tiny homes trend mm-hmm. because it definitely makes the kitchen seem more open. Yep. And in the picture that we've got up here, you can see that if if this was your whole kitchen, you know what I mean? Like if right behind you all there is is like a stove and that's it. You know, you're in a 800 square foot house. It, it is nice. It does open up the space. But if you're talking about like a, you know, you're having your house redone, get the cabinets. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you're you're running the risk that you're going to have just normal uppers there in the next five to eight years. Yeah. Right. Yep, exactly. We're talking about 10 horrifying home design trends here uh, coming up. Number 10. Uh, number 10 was the sliding barn door. Number 9 was the open uh, kitchen shelving. 
Number eight, nautical motifs run amok. So they're talking about the buoys, the life rings, you know, that you throw out there. They're talking about the nautical type of stuff. Big plaque that says, I'd rather mm-hmm. be fishing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey. You know, big giant mural of a sailboat on there. Um, thoughts on this? It's kind of a random, isn't I th- it? I think it's that's more, a, it's more, I, we see this on a lot of lake properties, but it makes sense on lake properties, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I personally haven't run into this a ton in like just a single, like an entry level single family home has not had a hard nautical theme before. You um, know, you say that and I've looked at two in maybe the last six years that I've walked into the house and I've been like, what is going on here? Wow. There are like this the sample picture we have is more colorful than i think most nautical themes are hmm. you know like the, there are these bright reds and oranges and stuff but i've walked into a couple houses that kind of like an, have an aqua and blue theme everywhere and every room has some sort of little nautical accessory wow. like a ship's wheel or a, yeah exactly and it's like in crystal minnesota there's <laughs> maybe, know, maybe the i purged big, it from my memory maybe maybe well I, I don't think it's pervasive by any stretch i don't think mm. it's super common but i have looked at a couple houses in the last yeah yeah five or six years where it's just kind of like mm. why so they say here in the in the article coastal design coastal design is one of the most beloved styles featured on instagram according to a 2020 study mm. from angie's list but you don't need in-your-face nautical motifs like anchors, seashells, and sailors' ropes. Coastal interiors uh, in locations far away from the beach can look silly rather than stylish. Make sure any design theme for your home matches your location. Get coastal inspiration without being so literal about it. Try mixing in trendy blues, adding driftwood, or weathered wood accents, or even the occasional coral accessory. Hmm. Very interesting. That one just seems like it's very niche. You know what I mean? Like they're picking on one little niche area there. But okay, number seven, all white interiors. You're talking white walls, white trim, white couches, like the picture here, literally white rug on the throw rug on the floor. I mean, white everything. I'm, it, it strikes me that people don't have animals or children that could, that could pull off this <laughs> right? look or don't like red wine. Like, what would you? It, the livability seems suspect. Yeah, in this I situation. Agree. I would. I would agree too. I mean, I look at my house. I'm like, I don't. I mean, the trim is white, and that's the only thing that's. Yeah. I suppose the trim and the cabinets. I feel Other like this that, is the this is the shortcut to. I'm a home decorator. <laughs> if I if I don't have to make any color choices, if mm-hmm. I just choose white for everything, I've solved the problem. <laughs> Right? I can be my own home decorator because I'll just go out and buy all the white stuff I like. I, yeah, like I just, I, I'm pretty sure that my wife and I make decisions specifically because of its potential for hiding stains and crumbs. Yeah. Like that's yeah. most, that's, that's two thirds of why we choose a particular thing. It's like if dope one or dope two spills <laughs> something on this, are we going to be, have to get it professionally cleaned immediately to not look like slobs or can we get by for a while? Right. Yeah. How is it going to hold up? How's it going to hold stains? All that kind of stuff. And that's, yeah, let's get that white fabric couch. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that that won't look bad in like a month. No. Yeah. So my, so going to that, so my, uh, my parents ended up getting a, a, a Lincoln aviator, I think, or something with like a white interior. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it and it was super sharp looking. Yeah. I'm just like, there's no way we could, there's no way we can do that. 
these kids would just just I mean mm. two weeks that thing would just we'd have to switch out for black seats. I yeah. think I think white interiors and in cars are a mistake because people wear blue jeans. That's my experience with them. Uh, where where you look at a you know a white leather car seat after like a year and the bottom of it is kind mm. of actually a slight you know you can just you look at it and you go that's not the same color as the back it's like it looks slightly bruised. <laughs> and it's you know it's just color that's come off of my car seat. Yeah. Right, exactly. You can never wear Levi's if you have a white leather interior, yeah. unless you want to clean it like every month and condition it and wax it. And it's like, nah, I got to drive this thing. Yeah, that would be. I mean, what would you say, Kelly? So with that picture out there, what would we say? So if you if you walk into a house, you, you got sellers. They're going to list a house, and that's that's what the living room looks like. What are you What are you giving them? As advice as far as what we need to do here if you guys want to maximize the sale. Hmm. Um, contrast and pops of color are tend to be uh, things that I will suggest because it's a way to not be, make people feel... Because every design is independent and, and the, if a person does something that's extreme, they probably really, really, really like that look. Yeah. Um, and so you want to just kind of say, okay, it's nice that you have a, a kind of a really neutral base here, but if you want pictures to pop and and things to stop as you're scrolling or to make make it resonate in people's minds going through there. This is a good base, but we probably need to calm it down and we need to add some accent colors here to make sure that it's catching in people's minds. Like, Would you have them paint? Like, Would that be a suggestion that you would have in this one here where literally everything is white? Would just painting the wall like a, some sort of lighter neutral color? I would say you paint the wall... Um, Think about doing a like a pattern rug or something that tones down the whiteness a little bit, and pillows of uh, a subtle accent color like a like a navy blue or like a steel gray or something yeah. like that. Um, what's interesting now is that, and we might get to this on the list. I haven't seen it, but like all white, like a whitewashed exterior is really is really common right now for for new builds. But a lot of times that's off. That's matched with dark window trims and a dark roof and sometimes other dark accents yeah. and and so white like an all white pattern can be good but i think you have to have accents to make things visually more interesting and it, it's going to appeal to more people so it doesn't feel like a i mean like a mortician's office i guess <laughs> good point there very good point all right that was number seven on the list here of 10 horrifying design uh 10 horrifying home design trends that we're talking about here. Feel free to join our conversation. Give us some input on this. If you got questions, we'll ask, obviously answer those questions. Anything and everything dealing with mortgages and real estate uh, is fair game. Our call-in number is 651-647-2910. Again, 651-647-2910. And we have a text line, too, as well at 612-202-8321. The best question of the morning is going to win those uh, T-Wolves tickets, and we have uh, four tickets to give away to the T-Wolves here. All right, number six on the list of uh, 10 horrifying home design trends. Uh, number six is oversized desks. So picture the office, the home office. You got a space there, and you got a desk eaten up about two-thirds of the room. <laughs> I hate this photo. I hate the, It doesn't look... This photo does not look like it's a huge desk, by the way. This photo both doesn't look like it's a huge desk, and also, looking at the computer equipment in this photo, I think this photo was taken about 17 years ago. <laughs> Is that an Apple IIe sitting on the desk there? You know, it's... it's you know, like, the screen in the back is not a CRT, I don't think, 
but it looks like a really early flat panel display. So I'm thinking like, yeah, circa like 2004 to 2006. It looks like the videos that like they would show uh, during my like insurance education, you know, of like yeah. the, the weird stilted early 2000s corporate kind of stuff. Um, and also, I just, of all the things on the list, because I have seen it, I think this is the one I disagree with. Oversized desks are awesome. You just have to have the right kind of space for it. I would say that too. You know, it's it, it, a lot of it depends on the desk and how it fits in the room. Because you can have a big desk in a small room and it can look good, and you can have a big desk in a small room and it looks gaudy and horrible. Right. You know? Exactly. What's your thoughts, Kelly? Anything? I mean, I think this is an interesting photo because it's like there's very clearly like a giant built-in that they're considering as part of that. It's pretty common in houses in the night built in the nineties and to like to like the aughts um, before two thousand ten to have built-ins. And I suppose if if the idea is to not match them exactly, if to match them exactly, it looks like a continuation of the same desk. But I kind of agree with you guys that it's more the design of the the desk itself and, and how it fits the space rather than. Just it needs to be this this dimension or less. And and to be clear, like looking at this photo again, and you know, yes, this is a radio program, but we are also a video podcast. Right. You can find the videos <laughs> online at, at minnesotahometalk.com and on the YouTube pages and so on, so you can see what we're looking at. But basically, this is the type of uh inbuilt construction that yeah, you would see in that late nineties, early two mm-hmm. thousands, where it's it's wood, but it's kind of got this more minimalist style. It is not the intricate carved woods mm-hmm. of the, you know, like 40s and earlier. You know, like the houses in St. Paul and stuff will have built-in cabinetry and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just beautiful and ornate and timeless. And I feel like the the actual look of the stuff in this photo, I definitely think someone looking at this would be thinking about how I would renovate my office if I'm renovating this house I'm moving into. Yeah. Just because it does have a dated appearance to it. But it seems like a perfectly fine home office overall. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. It doesn't look gaudy to me. At least that one doesn't. No. All right. That was number six on the list here uh, of 10 horrifying home design trends. Number five, painted arches. I like that they don't have a photo. And for they this. don't have a photo. <laughs> the painted arch trend has been all the rage on Instagram. This is what the article is saying. So the painted arch trend has been all the rage on Instagram, whether it's a brightly colored or pastel toned arch. These focal points help to highlight furniture or open shelving. However, some designers say painted arches can make a room feel smaller and the ceiling appear lower. So so I just uh, did a quick Google search oh. of this, and I have not, and I've actually recently had clients that we, we did an awful lot of like uh, urban shopping um, in a price point that w- would, would maybe have a little bit more like cut of very, very current styling just because of the price point and location. It would tend to have people who are maybe more, uh, more influenced by larger styling patterns and want to be on the cutting edge. Um, I guess I haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen a painted arch. If if you go and Google it, though, yeah, it, I'm looking at this now on Google, and I hate this. <laughs> yeah, um, it, again, this is something that maybe hasn't. Uh, maybe it's a coastal trend that hasn't made its way to us lowly Minnesotans yet. But right. yeah, it's it's almost like a like like a clay colored painting that's like mimicking uh, an old school um, architectural arch. Yeah, like an inset architectural arch. Yeah, and, and so. 
yeah, I don't, I, I guess I don't care for that either. Um, we just don't see it here. But, like, but yeah, this is not something yeah, I've, I don't never, see I've never seen anything like this in person. I've certainly no. seen inset actual arches, um, which is, you know, a feature that's not super common on architecture here, but does exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never seen one of these. And yeah, I, I am immediately like, why, why would you do this? But I guess fashion is an unexplainable mystery. Well, yep. Especially to us three. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. None of us are going to be uh, subject matter experts on that one. No. No. All right. That was number five on the list. And the number five list was painted arches here. Number four, uh, Tuscan kitchen designs. So the article says here, the Tuscan kitchen style from the 2000s was dominated by dark reds, chocolate browns, and golds. The lighting was ornate with wrought iron finishes. Mm -hmm. The granite was often speckled with gold tints, and the cabinetry was uh, deep brown. The fat is now making homes look dated and motivating more owners to renovate. Was this really that common here in new construction? Yeah, I think this was. I rec- yeah. I recognize maybe not so heavy handed, but as far as like dark brown cabinetry is probably like travertine style floor tiles. Yep. Yeah. Um, low lighting and um, that a oven lot of hood, iron. You know the ho- that oven hood. Yep. You see that a lot, and now that is very detailed as far as the trim on the bottom there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the ones have that same style, but might not be have all that detail in there. But yeah, yeah. Just, this this seems like the full. 100% example of everything that you could have done to fit this style at the time. Yes. But I, I agree we're getting to that point where this was really popular, that you're walking into those houses and it's standing out. As it, I think I think a lot of times when you hit, it's usually, you start to hit 8, 10, 15 years. It, it starts to make it more. So, like, like, this is one that I would see that they would over or they would retile the hood, um, they would probably paint some accent islands. They would change the thing. There, again, there's like an ornate uh, hand-painted thing on the ceiling. I, I, I have seen things like this. And yeah, to a, to a modern buyer, to somebody, maybe like a Target buyer who's in their like mid-30s now, um, who'd be going for like a their big forever home purchase, this this would be maybe a little bit off-putting. Yeah, you know, when I, when I look at this, it just makes me think of... Like the Cheesecake Factory. Olive Garden. Yeah, Olive Garden, <laughs> that kind of thing. Factory. You know, I, I'm just trying to put my finger on it. You know, just yeah. one, one of those kind of chain restaurants that's going to be at a mall. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably would have said that at the time, too. But, you know, this is not the kind of housing market that I ever would have looked at. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those sorts of development homes and that sort of trend. But I can totally see why this would now be a... Oh, this is the, oh, that looks so dated, you know, mm-hmm. even though it was probably only 10 or 15 years ago that this was more right. prevalent. Yeah. In your mind, you'd want to think, like, thinking this is the type of stuff, like a McMansion thing, like right before the bubble burst. Yeah. yeah. Like a mid, like a mid 2000s yeah. style and like a, like a sub million dollar five bedroom home would be yeah. like this. Yeah. I mean, it's very well done. Like oh, that, like beautiful. For that, I mean, it's like very it's a well fantastic done. kitchen. It's just not something that I f- think is super aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just different. That was number four on the list there. So that was number four on the ten hor- horrifying home design trends. So number three, minimalism. So they say an uncluttered, sparsely decorated home can feel sad, but. Uh, sad because of the lack of personality. Well, we're people. back to the all white here, by the way. Yeah. yeah, you know, but that's that's obviously a big space with mm-hmm. almost nothing in it. Yeah, is it, what they're saying. You know yeah. what I mean? And so, 
Um, they say with people spending more time at home, they're seeking more meaningful interiors and placing more personal home accents on display. You know, minimalism definitely has its place. It's it's one of those things where you're preventing yourself from having a cluttered home. But the the photo, this is a, I don't know, 800 plus square foot room with one chair and a couch in it. Um, and like nothing else, basically. This why bother having all that space? This would be something I think uh, more common in a like in a maybe not full time lived in luxury style house. And, and yeah. we have houses around here that are they'd be advertised as mid century modern, but really they're houses that are just kind of built in the fifties and early sixties. Usually, I, I would say for this in kind of the first ring of suburbs. Um, but people have embraced that aesthetic, and when they do have an open floor plan, they hammer all the walls off like a walkout rambler. And you'll see a little bit of this where it's um, there. I mean, maybe one small television, a lot of really low lying couches, like what kind of IKEA out of its mind. Um, and I, I think that they tend to have a more of a sterile feel, and they tend to be like if you're walking in there again, depending on who you are and what you're looking for. Uh, I think it'll be relatively easy to undo minimalism because you can basically do it with furniture and paint yeah Yeah. but um it it, there are awful lot of places that are maybe leaning a little bit too into removing every single wall so you basically have a have a door for the bathroom and a door for the bedrooms and everything else is just giant rooms that are unencumbered by anything i mean i'm all for big open living spaces i don't Mm -hmm. think that that's necessarily a problem the problem is when you have a big open living space and you don't put anything at all in it you know again why why have the space then you know you're just paying to heat a big like dance hall, <laughs> big dance hall. I look at that picture, you know, and I'm thinking, like, if you're going to list this, mm-hmm. this is exactly what a staging company is built for, right yeah. there. Yeah, pretty absolutely. much a clean slate. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, go in, and you don't have to work around a whole bunch of stuff or anything because it's there's yeah, not you a can whole leave lot the there. homeowner's mm-hmm. furniture in place. Just fill out the space. Yeah, and yep. just yep. You go in there, and they're just, I mean, that's got to be a home decorator's dream or a stager's dream right there. It's yeah, they're going like, to bring in, like, a ping pong table and a foosball machine. Yep, yep. They're going to rent it out. No. <laughs> like like anything else, if you if you decorate your home in such a way, you are probably limiting limiting who it's going to immediately appeal for. And, again, we sell houses, basically, to appeal to Zillow and Realtor.com and aggregator sites. Yeah. And this would be, like off-putting to more people than it would be a great attraction with and, and a lot of times too like if you're if you're coaching your buyers who want a mid-century minimalist aesthetic generally you're going out and telling people okay we're looking for like sight lines and stuff and you know that you can like move their crap out of there it doesn't come with it so you, you don't need to have a single chair and a beanbag chair in the middle of a 700 square foot room with nothing around you know? yeah and you know you mentioned the ikea aesthetic Mm-hmm. And I I love the IKEA design samples that they have at the stores, mm-hmm. you know, where you can see my 500 square foot home and stuff. But that's just it is, you know, that setup is all about like efficiency of space mm-hmm. rather than this gigantic cavernous space that's got three things in it. And, you mm-hmm. know, we have our one piece of art that we look at from 45 <laughs> feet away. Uh, whereas with you, if you go and look at Ikea's kind of mid-century inspired aesthetic, mm-hmm. it's all about like layering stuff up and using space really efficiently. And, you know, it's like, how can we fit a thousand square foot home into 300 square feet and have it feel livable? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's not exactly how we live here in the United States mm-hmm. for most people anyway. Yeah. But, 
you can have that modern kind of living space that feels modern without this vast cavernous empty thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Good points. You should be an interior decorator, Evan. Do you ever think about getting out of the like insurance and radio gig and maybe maybe becoming a? I'll tell you what. You call designer? me for an insurance quote. I will give you free home decorating tips. <laughs> it's true story. It's an and, not an or, Mike. I got it. Gotcha. I'm a multi-talented and. man. Yes, and I'll just man. add this to my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Phone lines are open six five one six four seven twenty nine ten. Two nine one zero. That is for the uh, the people who aren't good with numbers. So six five one six four seven two nine one zero is the call in number. We still have those T Wolves tickets to give away. You can also text your questions to us at six one two two zero two eight three two one. All right, number two on the list: acrylic furniture. So the article says tables and dining chairs made of industrial plastic were popular in the twenty tens essentially vanishing into the room and making it look larger. Nowadays, homeowners want their furniture to stand out, not blend in. I'd, I would agree with that. We're in a time where there's an awful lot of uh, brightly colored accent furniture, and there's a lot of uh, maybe antique furniture or furniture made to look antique-y. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, th- this is basically the opposite of, of what's happening here in the 2021-ish. Do you uh, see a lot of acrylic furniture out there? I don't. Makes me think of a clockwork orange, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I'm not sure how well this stuff holds up. Um, you know, like, it, it strikes me as the sort of thing that it's like a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably the only one here that wears glasses. I don't know if either of you secretly wear contacts or something. But, no. you know, like, glasses, when they're new, they're great. You know, they're perfectly crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my God. And then within, like, two years mm-hmm. they're just a scratched up mess and you need to get new lenses or just new glasses completely mm-hmm. um and it strikes me that the acrylic stuff is kind of the same way where you know you think oh it's clear so it'll be fine and stuff but it'll totally show all these blemishes all over i think they hold up very poorly yeah i've never had them and i'm just trying to even think of over the last year of me walking into any houses from anyone and i can't remember a single piece of acrylic I th- I furniture. I think a lot of this this list is coming from a place where where again minimalism and mid century modern. Like I, I've seen this type of stuff in those mid century style homes where they're really really heavy on a specific design aesthetic. Yeah, and this is almost like a kickback to the plastic furniture of like the sixties and seventies. I think the mid century thing. I you know there's there's like two different strokes of the mm-hmm. mid century. There's the really minimalist like wood furniture and stuff i have like an amazing mid-century modern bed set that's Mm -hmm. like stark and beautiful and Mm -hmm. then there's yeah this other stuff that it's like oh yeah and remember all of the the plastic (laughs) garbage that a lot of people bought let's bring that back yeah this is a very Um, brady bunchy looking thing i think but maybe the reason mike that you don't you know remember seeing this is because they're invisible (laughs) it's cloaked furniture if you're not if you're not looking for it and using it you you never see it it makes the space feel more open because it's barely where you walked in it's like this is amazing that lamp is just floating (laughs) yeah right that's that's what was going How did you on. Pull that going back to glasses, maybe that's what's going on. Because <laughs> yeah. right? you've just always been a little bit fuzzy and you haven't seen the acrylic furniture, maybe even though it's from plain view. There, that could, that could be the case there. Maybe I'm the one that's a little off here. All right, that was number two on the list here. And number before one, we get to number one, do you want to take a legal minute? Should we want to do a legal minute? I kind of want to do a legal minute today okay. because it's kind of pertinent, I think. All right, let's do it. All right. Here's Jeff O'Brien with Chestnut Cambrone with another Minnesota Home Talk Legal Minute. 
In Minnesota, the month of October is hunting season. For owners of prime hunting land, a hunting land lease can be a nice method to generate some revenue from hunters seeking a premium hunting experience. A hunting land lease is a legal agreement created for the specific purpose of allowing hunters to access private land for hunting. Hunting leases are typically used by non-residents and hunters who do not own land suitable for game may also be utilized by hunters seeking to expand their hunting experience to other areas and species of game. The length of leases are typically year-long or season-long. Lease price is subject to the landowner's cost and can vary from location to location. A hunting lease should address issues such as liability limitation to the landowner for actions of the lessee and the members of the lessee's hunting party, notification of the landowner for any liability arising from the lessee's hunting activities. That was Jeff O'Brien with Chestnut Cambrone. Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Oh no, Todd, we don't need you on this. You're not part of the Legal Minute. Um, How was that Legal Minute tied into all this? All right, so let's go back to our number one here on the list. Oh, our number one here? Yeah. All right, so number one, and I gotta admit, I I don't think I've ever seen this inside of a house, ever, is Moss Walls. Yeah, so I, I can't walls. say that I've ever seen this, but the reason that I thought that that legal minute was pertinent <laughs> is because, you know, a hunter might be behind that right there. He's laying in wait, <laughs> yeah, right? and you just don't know. <laughs> like, like it says here, so everyone loves indoor plants, but adding them to your walls may look, uh, may be overkill. So living walls, quote unquote living walls, which actually have greenery growing on them, have been touted for their health benefits, such as fine indoor air and reducing volatile organic compounds. But those benefits aside, watering or growing anything on your walls is not a trend we can condone. Did this list come from, like, the Real Housewives of L.A.? <laughs> I mean, it is the, what, uh, Realtor.com? Uh, let's see here. No, I don't think it was Realtor.com. Yeah. Let's see. The list came from... Uh, the National Association of Realtors. Yeah. Styled, staged, and sold yeah. blog. Yep. So so with these walls, I actually have... Um, my uncle has worked for a landscaping company for a long time. And this is actually a really cool thing that they do. Um, it, it's mostly in commercial spaces or kind of luxury... I, I think like luxury town-like or condo spaces. So this tends to be like a more of a, a striking conversational design element, but I would have a hard time specifically in this market ever seeing this in a home because of one, just, I mean, just the space, like we're not in a spot, we're inside, we're indoors like six to nine months out of the year, so we can't have like a wall that's just overtaken by greenery. Yes. And, okay. I, and I imagine bugs too, if, they, if they're failing being able to live outside, they'd probably find a home in this giant, <laughs> giant garden hanging from your wall. Yeah. But like from a, just an upkeep perspective, like they're, that they're, the company does I mean, I mean, they need a professional person. Yeah, maintenance. Yeah, there's yeah. maintenance involved there. I can't imagine how awful it would be if you can't keep that thing perfect. You know what I mean? Like the perfect size and perfect health, because if it overgrows at all, you've got a big problem. Mm-hmm. And if it starts dying off, you have a really big problem because replacing just part of it is going to be a huge issue. So, yeah, it's if you take vacation, you need to make sure you have someone not just watering your plants, but very specifically watering each section of this wall. <laughs> right. And that, yeah, I'm sure explaining to the neighbor kid or your you know son-in-law, listen, you need to remember to water the wall. <laughs> like, li- li- like literally all everything that lives in my house besides my wife and I would probably try to eat this. So, oh like, yeah, that's true too. Like, this yeah, this a, is another thing good. that is not pet friendly. 
uh, for a multitude pet, of reasons. Pet, both the children and the pets would be trying to eat this wall constantly. Yeah. Or otherwise ripping it out and strewing it about our house. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just, that just seems like a lot of work. Even if you had fake, so even, let's say that wasn't, that wasn't real. Let's just say that was fake. Mm-hmm. Right. What I mean, what would, what would you if you're going to go in and go out, uh, if you're going to go into this house with these homeowners and again, so I kind of always bring up the example. What are you going to do if you're going to list this house? Right. Mm-hmm. What would you do if you're an agent and you got to go in there, you're going to list this house for sale. And let's just say it wasn't live. Let's just say it was just a fake wall covered with shrubbery like that. What are you telling them? I, that, this one, this one's one that stumps you. One because right. I've never, I've quite literally never seen this in a house on the buy or the sell side in my entire career. Yeah, um, it, it would be something where if it was live, I would, I would leave very specific maintenance quest, like a very specific maintenance list, and probably your internal plant guy who comes and takes care of it, or be prepared for the idea that you might be asked to remove this beforehand. You know, if you've got a sentimental connection to this thing, you have to figure out how to transport it. To, <laughs> you have to cut the wall out or whatever and bring it to your new place, right? Oh, and boy. how are those mounted? Like, I don't. I, I, the logistics of this, I don't quite understand. I don't either. I, you know, it's crazy to me to see that that's actually live plants literally hanging vertically on a wall like that. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it might be hanging on like a you know like a lattice work or something. The same way that you would have. Things grow over a fence or something in a garden like that. I, it, I think that's probably the easy part. It's the other pieces of maintaining just a gigantic amount of greenery. You just you don't want to have like rich soil inside your home. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like however the, however the contraption, however the logistics and engineering works of I would assume to have like lush greenery. You, you have to have a bunch of like soil, and you don't want to have soil in the house because soil brings bugs and critters and mess and, and if this right, thing starts smell. flowering you're gonna have a huge pollen issue and yeah and it's just gonna be shedding stuff onto the floor underneath it so you have to vacuum under it every day I mean, twice. Should, should this be a trend somewhere i I'd incredible i very much agree that you shouldn't be putting one of these in your house yeah yeah it, it's number one on the list for a reason it's not because it's super common as far as any of us are aware but mm-hmm. um because it just has so many downsides and it's clearly like a homeowner's nightmare well again like if i have an op if I have a luxury condo complex, this is great. Yeah, exactly. In Minneapolis and St. Paul, this is wonderful. It's a cool piece. You can have somebody in there a couple times a week to take care of it. Striking, again, probably is a, a nice selling feature for, for a condo-type buyer, um, an upscale condo-type buyer. But in your single-family home... In the suburbs. In yeah. the suburbs, I, I would I would say this is going to be a larger detriment to selling your house than it would be an asset. I there would, are a lot of things that you would do in a hotel lobby or in a condo lobby yeah. that you would never do in a house. And I think this is definitely in that category. Yeah, especially like 2 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> right. <laughs> Phone lines are open, 651-647-2910. That's the call-in number. We still have those T-Wolves tickets to give away to the best question of the morning. So give us a call at 651-647-2910. And we also have a text line at 612-202-8321. Again, that text line is 612-202-8321. We're giving away four tickets uh, to a T-Wolves game here for the best Mortgage, real estate, credit repair, or any general real estate question this morning. All right. Um, going into the winter months here, mm-hmm. right? We got Thanksgiving coming up. We have Christmas coming up. We have oh, we do have New Year's, right? So we have, we have that string of holidays. Everyone is thinking that 
real estate market just kind of just goes dormant during that time, right? And dormant, then, right? Quote unquote dormant. Um, and then you know after the Super Bowl is done, then that's when things really ramp up. But Kelly, what's different about this year than? I can't say different from last year because last year is going to be very similar to this year. But yep. even just a few years ago versus this year, what do you what should people expect going into uh, these winter months here in our market? Well, it's just anecdotally, I have I've had listings throughout the fall, and it I'm still getting large showing volume. So so behind the curtain, uh, four nine. 4916 Spruce Lane and Savage is my personal listing. And we've had um, almost 30 showings scheduled for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, we're going to have large attendance at an open house tomorrow. And if, if you have a good home and an accessible price point, you figure that we all know about what happened in the spring, right? So we're talking about really, really low inventory, really low rates, and a, and a large buyer pool coming carrying over from the pandemic. And it created tons of buyers. Really great environment for sellers. Um, buyers did what they had to do. There are still buyers who looked in the spring and had to do credit repair, had to save a little bit of money, or just got, got frustrated. Got, got frustrated and, and just extended leases. And there was a lot of six months flexes. Like the people who flexed into six month leases in, I mean, April and May, they, they got to land somewhere before the end of the year. So there's still an appetite out there. If you list a house and you list it at the correct price point and market it well, you are still going to get a good showing volume. And the expectation should be you're going to get quality offers at or around your list price. That's still that's still what's happening. And that will continue, in my opinion, like it did last year throughout the winter because there hasn't been the inventory over the last 18 to 24 months to satiate the amount of qualified buyers looking for homes. Mm-hmm. And those people are still and, – and, and honestly – when you see some of the um, equity builds that people have had during that same time period, people don't want to don't want to pay exorbitant rent fees anymore. They just don't want to do it. They want to get in there, and th- there's still there's still a market here. Listings are still moving. Yeah, the the monthly cost for rent has mm-hmm. gone up more than the monthly cost to own a home. If you look at the last eighteen months, oh yeah, mm-hmm. because yeah, home prices have gone up. We all know that. But interest rates have offset that. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We talk about it every single week. And if you go take a three-bedroom, two-bath house in the suburbs, what can I rent that thing for? And what if I buy that thing, what's my monthly payment? That rent payment has gone up more over the last 18 months than that monthly ownership payment has. Mm-hmm. The rent on single-family homes in the mid-inner like inner and outer ring suburbs has just jumped hugely. Yeah, if you're if you're comparing like for like of like a fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred square foot home or home adjacent setup townhomes, condos and stuff, mm-hmm. the the rent prices have skyrocketed and it's crazy. And I think didn't Minneapolis or Saint Paul Saint Paul passed their rent control. Rent control. Uh and then Minneapolis is exploring it now. They they passed the ballot measure that lets the council do something. Gotcha. Um, mm. So we don't know what that'll look like in the future. But those those rental markets are of course like wholly distinct because most of the rentals in the city are going to be, you know, six hundred to one thousand square foot, mm. multi you know family dwellings with you know sixteen thirty two fifty units. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and you're comparing it to like a duplex or a townhome or something like that in. I don't know, Maple Grove, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, there's four units in the building and you have 1,500 square feet plus and right. a communal green space and stuff. And the rents on those places have just gone crazy. Yeah. 
Because people tend to, and I actually had a conversation yesterday morning with somebody who, um, it was a couple who they were in the, the guy wants some green space, she wants a condo, and they're trying to find something in between, but they're finding it uniquely frustrating because of rental prices. So there, there, a lot of people are getting into the market, housing market because rental's an option. It, it, it's, it's during that conversation, it seems like their preference would be to continue renting, but it's not financially feasible to find something that works for both of them without purchasing something, Right. which is interesting because it, in your mind's eye, you'd think it'd be the other way around. It's you're driven to rent because it's unpalatable or you're unable to buy. And, th- and this couple was the other way. They would like to find a lease and find something, but it's so expensive. It's, it's in financially impractical for them to not buy the thing they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And- you know, townhomes and, and condos are obviously a good middle ground solution for that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to maintain your own green space. Yep. You have the association taking care of that. You don't have to worry about the exterior of the building with pretty much all townhome associations. And, mm-hmm. of course, all condos are going to yeah. be set up that way. You're just paying your association fee. You can budget for it. It's a good middle ground. And you're locked into a 30-year loan at a nice low interest rate as opposed to going well, what's rent going to be in four years out here? Yeah, right. Because there there isn't rent control in you know Burnsville or mm-hmm. or or Maple Grove or whatever. Right. You know, rent doubles every twenty years. That's the stat. If you look at the last whatever forty sixty years, whatever yeah. rent doubles every twenty years. But you get into a thirty year fixed rate, your principal and interest never changes for thirty years. Yeah. Which is, so yeah. you're 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 locking in basically a monthly cost for your housing mm-hmm. by owning because you're probably going to do a 30-year fixed and you're going to ride that out yeah taxes insurance might change a little bit but that's peanuts when you look Mm. at how much rent is going to change now from today Mm. versus 10 Mm. years even 20 years down the road that's the other thing i was going to mention is insurance is one of those things that you know house insurance gets more expensive over time yep uh you know you've got risks like oh we've had a few storms in the last few years and everybody's taking rate because everybody's have had the roof replaced because of hail that's a not a issue with townhomes and condos mm-hmm. because the vast majority of associations are going to have that on their master policy. Those master policies get more expensive. Maybe mm-hmm. your association fees are going to go up, but your actual your your townhome insurance, which is really just covering like your cabinets, your floors, and the stuff in the house, mm-hmm. computers, TVs, very very affordable. Yeah, you know the the price mid ground. If a renter's policy for your setup would cost like. Two hundred ish dollars, a a condo type policy is probably going to cost like four hundred or five hundred ish dollars. It's not mm. a huge price difference, you know. Whereas with you get into a single family home and you're talking about spending between thirteen hundred and three thousand a year on insurance right now, mm-hmm. and that's the sort of thing that's much more variable because you're exposed to the exterior risk. Yeah. So townhomes, you you avoid a lot of that. Oh yeah, the insurance. Well, my rates went up. Well, you know, if your rate it was five hundred bucks and your rate goes up twenty percent, uh, it's six hundred bucks now for the whole year. Mm, right. Still and, sounds pretty good to me. Eight dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you want to juxtapose, just just again, and we're advocating for our profession here, obviously. But like, so my own personal house that that Mike did the loan for for me. It is I would list it for a hundred thousand dollars more than I listed for one year difference, and we have painted. And decluttered, and that's it. Yeah, in yeah. one year, and that's supported by all the comps in the neighborhood and everything. So, so don't get that from running. No, no, literally. So my my equity is, I mean, 
six figures of equity in, in an accessible price point in an accessible area. Yeah, and even if you list it now, so I'm just looking at our numbers in our branch. Guess what our biggest month is going to be this year as far as closing volume goes? December. November. November. Yeah. This month that we're in now. And everyone thinks that you know this is the start of when it starts getting mm-hmm. slower. That's definitely not the case right. now when we see it in our numbers. December is going to be another busy month just forecasting and looking what we have coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, December is probably going to be like our third busiest month. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. We had a little tiny blip in October on our end where it was just like the volume was down a little bit yeah. at the end of summer. And then it picked right back. My, yeah. my, my highest volume month of this year is October. Well, yeah. See. So yeah. I, I just, I'm, yeah, I'm just wrapping up my highest volume for for transaction. Vo- so the sheer amount, yeah. volume, and then number of transactions was the highest. Yeah. So it's so it's still a good it's still a good market. So sellers, you're still going to be able to sell your house mm-hmm. now. There's not going to be the crazy amount of buying pressure out there in every single listing. You got 30 showings coming up. You're going to have multiple offers. That thing, like that's that's great for your seller. There, you might not get that in every single case and every listing coming up here mm-hmm. in the winter. But there's still plenty of buyers out there. Interest yeah. rates are still low, and You're there's still, still not that many homes. No, there's not. I mean, it's, it's going to be a good, strong market because I tell you what, the buyers that were in the market last spring yep. that didn't get into a house, now's your time to buy because what's coming this spring again? Same market that yeah. you saw last spring. More of the same. Yeah. yeah. So we appreciate you guys listening to us. We're here every Saturday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. on 1500 Score North Radio on Facebook Live. Uh, and we take your calls and questions live uh, during the air. And we answer your questions live during the week. Get in touch with us at minnesotahometalk.com. That's how you can connect with us 24-7. Again, that's minnesotahometalk.com. Have a great weekend. All alone, take me to your expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500.